I love to climb and actually there's a lot of links between climbing and leadership that I'll talk about later. Welcome to There's a Better Way. Each episode, Dr. Arvind Chandrasekharan, professor and academic director, will sit down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss how business principles can provide solutions to problems we may face in our professional and personal lives. This program is brought to you by Fisher Executive Education. Welcome to There's a Better Way. I'm here with Tim Judge, professor and Joe Aludo chair in leadership effectiveness and the senior associate dean of programs and outreach at the Fisher College of Business. Welcome to the program, Tim. Thanks, AC. Tim, can you tell us more about what you do here at Fisher? So as you noted, I'm executive director of the Fisher Leadership Initiative, and the goal of the Leadership Initiative is to develop principled leaders. Mm -hmm. Now, when we do that, we try to use science as a foundation for everything that we do, and there is a science of leadership, as we'll talk about. Okay, so uh, today's conversation is going to be on the uh, concept of leadership. As you already told me, that leadership is probably one of the most common buzzword that we see in every management schools and millions of books being written. But still, we don't have perfect leaders. We keep hearing stories about uh, CEOs not doing their jobs well and thinking almost often about profits and not about people. What's missing out there? You know, there's a country western song called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. I think we look for leadership knowledge in all the wrong places. So I think in a lot of ways the best selling treatments of leadership, while they may have nuggets or insights that people like, they're not a systematic understanding of what leaders do Mm -hmm. and what leadership is. And the tragedy of that is that there's an active science of leadership. There are more than 70,000 articles that have been written on leadership in peer-reviewed journals. So tell us more about this. What's the science behind leadership? So the biggest perspective on the science behind leadership is that it's a social influence process, Mm -hmm. which is a way for a psychologist to talk about how if you're a leader, your main goal is to change things. And Mm -hmm. if you think about it, if if you're a leader and you don't affect change, then there was no need for the leader in the first place. So the real focus on the literature is, okay, how can leaders best affect that change? And we've learned things about what tools work best, which we'll talk about later, I think. Yeah. So tell us more about, again, what are some important traits for that uh, person as a leader to make change? So one of the things we need to think about, AC, is what do we mean by traits? Mm -hmm. And so normally we think about traits. It's one of the things I've studied are personality characteristics. Okay. And one of the traits that we find that's helpful is extroversion. Mm-hmm. So it's not surprising because extroverts, you know, they're, they're not just sociable, which they are, but they're mm-hmm. also socially dominant, so sure. they like giving orders. Um, and that, of course, is closely related to leadership. Now, there's a lot of sort of backlash against extroverts. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing we find is it's more helpful to emerging as a leader mm-hmm than being effective as a leader. Okay, so to tell us more, I mean like so uh, uh, from my understanding, people always have these kind of categories. Oh, you, you can be a transactional leader, you can be a transformational leader, but but from base, what I'm hearing from you, Tim, is it's not just simple as a one or either, right? It, it's, a, it's a composite of so many different dimensions of leadership. Yeah, that's right, AC. The problem with the trade approach, and again, I've studied it my whole career, but Mm -hmm. the problem of it, of course, is that you either are or you aren't. Mm. So if you're an introverted person, you say, oh, that's great. Judge just said that you have to be uh, an extrovert, and I'm not, so it's hopeless. Well, it isn't hopeless. Mm -hmm. And that's where, if we go back to the literature, we have to think about, okay, what are the behaviors? Mm -hmm. That I need to study, that I need to show if I'm a leader, and so that's the real key. I think is thinking about okay, what are the behaviors 
leaders can and need to display to be effective. Hmm. And I've heard this, Tim, from several people saying leadership cannot be taught. It has to be practiced, and so there is no place in, a, in management schools about leadership. What do you think to those people that say leadership cannot be taught, it has to be practiced? So that's absolutely false, and we have actually data. We have these large reviews that you know about called meta-analyses, and uh -huh. there was one that was published in one of our best journals two years ago that hmm. showed that university-based leadership development efforts, in fact, do work. Hmm. Uh, and so for those people who'd make that charge, I would say, okay, I can show you my data. Mm -hmm. What's your data? Sure. Uh, where's your evidence that they work? Because yeah. often what you get are war stories or people who bought the book. Well, mm. buying the book isn't the same as whether that actually had sure. a practical effect. Yeah, but again, going back to the way we teach leadership at Fisher, tell us more about like how we do it. I know there is this Fisher Leadership Institute that you're a part of where you're mm. actually putting to use some of these things uh, theory-based, scientifically-driven principles, right, to train next-generational leaders at Fisher. How are we doing it here? So one of the things that we've developed uh, is what we call BUILD, which is a okay. comprehensive leadership assessment. And it measures leaders at three levels. Okay. First of all, self-leadership. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's the idea that you really can't be a leader of others until you're a leader of yourself. So sure. things like um, self-confidence, mm. uh, self-regulation, mm. so uh, emotion uh, recognition, emotional intelligence, those are part of self-leadership. Okay. The second level, uh, level is relational skills, mm -hmm. so those are you know things like negotiation, communication, teamwork. And then the third level are what we call stewardship, and mm -hmm. so those are areas where things like vision mm. or wisdom or transformation um, come into play and so people who take it and it can be both students and, and you know practicing managers or organizations uh, they get a, a really great assessment we have a dashboard now that helps people complete it and get their report mm -hmm. um, and we've given that our goal is to give it to every single Fisher student mm. early in their tenure and then by the time they leave um, to show how they've improved as leaders as a, as a result of what we we've done so um, we're really excited about that. We've invested a lot of what we've done in it. And right now, in mm -hmm. fact, this afternoon, I'm going to record a module okay. by which we mapped onto each one of the individual skills mm -hmm. um, that people from a distance, if they don't have a chance to focus on it, can learn more about it and practice mm -hmm. a few things that will make them um, make them more effective at so doing this. This is very interesting, Tim, because you talk about three levels of leadership, the yep. individual level, so yep. you've got to make sure, and then the relationship building, yep. and then the vision. Yep. Is, is that always the way people uh, graduate as leaders? Is, again, make sure that you're really good individually, then good at uh, team level and relationship, and then be a visionary leader? You know, uh, we don't think of it that way. So okay. um, so it's not really a hierarchy in that these are discrete levels. And so, for example, we know in a lot of cases um, some really accomplished leaders, mm -hmm. they fail at self-regulation. And mm -hmm. so there may be how could you be a leader at that position and sometimes even our own presidents, sure. uh, both Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> you could look back and say, sure. you know, where, were, where was your self-leadership? Where mm -hmm. was self-regulation in this? Sure. It doesn't mean they're a poor leader. It means they're struggling with that level mm. of it. And so by the same token, you could have someone who's really, they may struggle a lot with self-confidence, uh -huh. 
but actually when they feel like they can address it, they're very inspiring or that they have a lot of wisdom sure. to convey. And so these levels can kind of coexist. And I think we all have strengths and weaknesses as leaders. And the key is kind of discovering what those are and then formulating a plan for doing something about it. Interesting. So so let's go back to the the survey, the build survey that you have yep. developed Tim, at, at uh, Fisher Leadership Institute. So you have our students and maybe executives take out these yep. surveys, right? Yep. Tell us more again. And then you said they, they do it multiple points of time, which is very important. Yeah. So what happens between them? So once they evaluate their leadership skills on these dimensions, uh, and they see the gaps. Uh, do they get like how do you then like how do you educate them to fill those gaps now? So uh, great question, AC. Uh, the we I should note that we have both self and others mm-hmm. complete the survey, so they only they not only get an idea of how they score. Sure. They can see how others evaluate them. Now from that, I think the kind of the best and highest uh, use of this is to develop. A leadership plan and so we have resources to help people what would be a leadership development plan mm-hmm. and one of the things that I think is really critical of that is to focus on only one or two things because if you if you make it too broad it's just as you know sure. life catches up with you it's, it's too hard to think of too many things at once and so we we ask people to think of areas not only where they feel they can get better mm-hmm but also areas they think they can change. Because sometimes people look at something and they'll say, you know, that's overwhelming right sure. now for me to think about changing that. I would say also one, one part of the plan is to focus on the positive side, not only remediating your weakness, but sure. leveraging your strength. Because a lot of times some of the exciting insights that occur from this is someone said, wow, I had no idea I was mm-hmm. really good at this. So we want them to think through, okay, how can you get better at that? How can you leverage that or highlight that because you're really good at that? Yeah. So uh, I want to ask another question, uh, Tim, again. This is, I know you've done decades of research uh, on on this dimension of leadership, right? Are there any examples of leaders that you, I mean, that you came across? I mean, people always say leadership means go to like Martin Luther King or Mahatma Gandhi. I mean, like those are common examples. I'm not sure whether they they would have, taken all the surveys, right? So are there examples of good leaders that you have seen in your research, that you have studied in your research, that, that people haven't heard those names? That, that uh... So one of the great things about studying, it's, it's a blessing and a curse studying leaders, is that I'm always analyzing them. Okay. And, of course, I don't tell them that because that would sure. be a quick yeah. a conversation <laughs> stopper. Leave my office, right? Yeah, yeah but it's, it's really fun because what I can do is I don't think I've ever met a leader where I wouldn't say, and it's not in a judgmental sense. It's more to appreciate, okay, sure. this is, I think, where your strengths are, mm-hmm. and this is maybe some areas where, of course, I don't give unsolicited advice. Sure. <laughs> and pull, the, pull Les Wexner yeah. aside and see unless <laughs> you need to work on, yeah. on this skill set. Um, but... Uh, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, even look at our presidents, mm-hmm. uh, U.S. presidents, um, uh, even arguably our greatest president, Abraham Lincoln, did he struggle with some aspects of leadership? I think that he did. And mm-hmm. so, you know, in a lot of ways, um, the more complex the role, mm-hmm. the more responsibility, the more it sort of identifies those weaknesses. It's kind of like, as you know, I like to climb and like an easy route. Sure. It doesn't identify your weaknesses. Only when the grade gets harder is, is when these pressures sort of sometimes reveal these fissure points or areas where people have to work. So I think one of the things that we're also focusing on with students mm-hmm. is trying to identify these 
um, high stakes mm -hmm. pressure settings sure. that sometimes will reveal areas that are memorable for them because when they can conquer those things, um, that's very empowering. Okay, that's important. So for our listeners out there, Tim, I mean, like, let's say they are they want to improve their leadership skills, and I know, yeah. like, it's a complex process. Yeah. Uh, what do you tell them? I mean, like, where do you think they should start, and is there anything that you would recommend saying, okay, we know that reading a book is not going to work, right? Yeah. So what, what should they do if they want to improve their skills? So, AC, don't get me started on this because we could go for more than 20 minutes about this. So I would say one of the things we really teach is, um, okay, if leadership is an influence process, okay, how do I influence people? Well, what's really fascinating about this is that there's a really great leadership researcher who's discovered that the people do not use the most effective influence tactics in day-to-day -day interactions. Mm. So the two most effective social influence tactics um, that leaders can use are actually the least widely used in practice. Okay. And those are first, inspirational appeal. And so you talked about transformational leadership. It is sort of like that. Mm -hmm. The thing I think that you have to teach um, and we all need to learn is that this isn't just the big inspiring speech. Sure. Inspirational appeal is really uh, can be used for any time you, you need to influence someone. Mm -hmm. um, and it's basically explaining, okay, why is this important? What mm. are the core purposes of this? Mm. If, sometimes it can be as simple as just a line. Remember, the reason we really need to work on this is sure. because it fits. And often when I teach this, students will sometimes say, well, um, that will sound corny mm. or everybody knows that. And I would say, we know not everybody knows it. It's very easy to forget these core precepts. Sure. And if it sounds corny, do you think it's really um, bad mm -hmm. to repeat the core reason why we're doing the work today? Yeah. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two is consultation. Okay. And consultation is asking people what they think. Mm. And what's fascinating about consultation, it's kind of paradoxical, because you think, wait a minute, I'm influencing people by asking them what they think? Yeah. yeah. But then if you step back from that and think about it, it's like, well, of course, in sales, they use that That's all right. the time, yeah. Uh, yeah. right? They, um, and, and the key is engagement. Mm. We love being asked for our input. And I tell people, if you think about when someone says, what do you think, AC? Mm -hmm. A lot of times our heart will literally flutter sure. when we're asked that. And so it's, it's very engaging for people, very empowering. And if you've got engagement, you've got a great resource that you can use. And they, those individuals would be much more likely to listen to you. Okay. So that's just one thing we all can think of um, every day that we can do. But yeah. we have lots of other um, tips. Uh, no, but I think it's important, right? Like the whole idea of how do you inspire someone? Yep. At the same time, also, how do you make sure that you're listening to them? And that, that's a yep. trait that people, no matter which level of the organization or where they work, they can make a difference. And again, the the, uh, the effectiveness of this is immediate. So yep. you could see changes back if you change these simple behaviors, right? That's right. And one of the things we teach with emotional intelligence, which rests at the self-leadership, is there's emotion regulation. So mm -hmm. if you're upset, how's the best way to express it? But there's also emotion recognition. And sometimes sure. we all can be better at reading people and adapting the approach that we used. And so you're right. Um, almost always you can tell um, 
how people are responding to their leadership okay. just by being able to know the cues to read yeah. their facial expressions. I know we're running out of time, but I do want to ask, I know you're an avid mountain climber. Yes. Right? So uh, what was the most difficult challenge you've had in that journey? You know, you've climbed several different mountains all across the world, right? Yes. Uh, so fear, okay. overcoming fear sure. and self-doubt. Those are um, just huge challenges. And I remember the first wall I ever climbed, it mm -hmm. was in England. I got about 15 or 20 feet off the ground, and I remember this overwhelming thought, I want down. Mm. I want down. I want okay. down. Okay. Now, I didn't I didn't yell that I wanted down, and so at one point I just had this moment of clarity where I was like, well, Tim, you don't really want down. Mm. What you are is you're afraid and you're uncertain of the next move. Okay. Um, and I find those two things have to coexist for me to really get uh, – flustered uh -huh. is I have to feel like I have what's called exposure. Sure. But also, if I just have exposure, I'm fine. But if I don't think I can perform the next move, mm. then I'm terrified. So I've actually am starting to teach a course this spring where we're teaching students climbing and leadership, leadership. to integrate the two lessons. And I'm taking them then on climbs, one group in West Virginia and one to the Grand Tetons uh, to, um, to really and half the course is self-leadership, testing uh -huh. themselves in the ways that I've described. And then the other is, okay, how do you work in a team in these sort of high-stakes settings? Oh, wow. That is impressive. So what was the highest peak that you've ever climbed? So let's see. I've climbed the three highest peaks in the U.K. Okay. Um, I've climbed 27 of the 54 14,000 peak, 14, foot peaks in Colorado. Okay. So I was just... Um, 10 days ago in Nevada okay. climbing um, and uh, so I um, I was in the Grand Teton, the top of that this year. So just, it's amazing. Every mountain's different. Great, and, yeah. uh, love you them. learned every every time you climb something, you, you you are actually learning and experiencing something. I do. And yeah. one of the things I find, you know, I'm not a person without any confidence whatsoever, but so often the person I'm climbing with who very often is better than me, will say, Tim, your movement is good, but you need more confidence. And the reason why is you have to take chances. You have to be willing to fall sure. to stretch yourself. And if you think about it, of course, that's Absolutely. a lesson for leaders. Absolutely. Too. I mean, you've got to have that uh, psychological safe environment to that's, fall and then rebound back. Right? That's so, right. Yeah. And, and I think the safety is a very good way to put it, because do you trust the system? system. And then are you willing to put yourself out there? Because by stretching mm -hmm. and sometimes by failing, sure. that's the main way we can learn Love to it. get better. Yeah, This is great, Tim. Again, I really enjoyed listening to all the things. And it's very in in interesting to note this, and this is something that I, it's like leadership can be taught, yes. and there is a skill to it. Yes. But that balance of fine dance between the teaching from the research and the skill is what makes effective leaders. So. That's right. And as you know, uh, AC, as you teach, experiential learning. So while you're giving people knowledge, we also have to have practice with them in real time. And we emphasize that, too. Thank you so much, Tim. Thanks for taking some time, Tim. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. For more episodes or information about executive education program offerings, please visit fisher.osu.edu.